Hello, welcome back. Episode 76. How are you doing? How are you doing? Today in London is a very beautiful, bright and sunshiny day. I'm recording this fairly early just because uh, I wanted to get this podcast out. So I have quite an early morning gravelly voice for you today, so uh, enjoy. Anyway, I want to make this quick because I want to get to... Uh, to my guest, and my guest is a returning guest, is Mr. Nicholas McInerney uh, of Rainbow Dads, who was on episode 64. And if you haven't heard that, listen to that, um, do go back and check that one out. It's uh, it's a good one, but um, maybe just listen to this one first. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to sharing that podcast with you today. Um, how are you doing? Um, just a quick a f- bit of housekeeping, shall we say. Um, if you could, I would be really grateful if you could like, subscribe, and if you haven't yet, uh, to drop me a lovely five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Because if you're listening to this and you're a regular listener, hopefully you are inclined enough to do something positive like that for me. I'd be really appreciative. Um, if you've got less than that, then yeah, perhaps just keep it to yourself. <laughs> Anyway, enjoy. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to sharing this podcast with you today. Um, Nicholas and I had um, a jolly jape and a laugh a few days ago when we recorded this one. Um, I'm not going to talk about COVID today. Um, there's so much of that going on elsewhere in media and social media. And we do talk about it a little bit in our chat briefly. So I think enough said on that for today. Um just to say that, yeah, I'm my my strategy for coping is still uh, mindfulness, and I am continuing to delve into that. And I am midst study, uh, which is one of the reasons I'm going to make this short and sweet as an intro today because I have lots of studying to do. Um, yeah, I've got my head down in that, and lots of thought and lots of meditation. So um, I'll tell you more about that as and when, probably when I finish uh, the course. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to talk about politics because we're going to be talking more about that soon because with the American elections coming up, it's going to be unavoidable to talk about politics. So I'm going to leave that alone till then. Um, just a quick recommendation. Just want to give you one quick recommendation this week and jump in to the pod. Um, it is an album. Of course it's an album, you say. Of course. Um, and the album is called Love and Dancing and it's by Horse Meat Disco. And Horse Meat Disco are a collective of queer men. Um, and uh, Love and Dancing by Horse Meat Disco is on Glitterbox Records. Um, obviously, I found it on my iTunes. Um, but it's, yeah, Horse Meat Disco are a collective of queer men who love good disco and have been creating clubs and spaces for years to cater for that. But this is their debut album of original music, and it's it's called Love and Dancing, uh, all original tracks, and it's proper disco, or kitchen disco is probably as it's going to become better known for the time being, um, So, which is probably where most of us are doing our dancing, uh, certainly people of uh, over the age of 30. <laughs> I think most people are dancing indoors nowadays. Um, but yeah, it has an amazing lineup of guest singers, uh, including um, Kathy Sledge of uh, Sister Sledge um, and various dance tracks throughout the 90s and noughties um, and um, Furious 
who's also I uh, has a gay anthem, which I want to talk about another time because it's quite a quite a, an important track. But anyway, we'll come back to him. And then Nadia Davenport of my favourite, one of my favourite bands, the Brand New Heavies, is also a guest vocalist on it. So it's a really good collection of really strong singers. So um, I can highly recommend it. And it's one to cheer ourselves up in these dark times. So the time has come to reintroduce you to my guest, the wonderful and the marvellous Mr. Nicholas McInerney. Enjoy. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for me inviting myself for you to invite me or whatever. But it's lovely, to, it's lovely to see you. Always, yeah. well, always welcome. And obviously, we've, I've spoken to David since we last chatted. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, um, I contributed towards his, his book, Plug, Plug. Yes. Have it gay yes, sex. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've read. Um, you learn any, if you learned anything new, darling. <laughs> always able to learn new things yes, exactly you can catalog isn't it, it teaches you how to <laughs> no it's good i mean i have to say it was it's great and I've, I've been pushing it to younger people and saying well look if you don't understand cruising and things like that it's 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 it's, it's interesting it's not just it's not a how-to yeah. <laughs> um Yes, it's yeah. not. He's been. He's. He's. It's very thoroughly researched, isn't it? He's worked yeah. hard to, to get it right, and I like the fact that he's included some of the some of the my contributions are around the more kind of sort of I suppose stroke spiritualized sex positive stuff around tantra mm -hmm. and around um, my experience being out at Burning Man and what oh, yes. that contribution made, and of course it's particularly pertinent because of course David's also a gay dad so there's that lovely connection as well well as you've taken me on to Rainbow Dance since we last spoke you were nominated for a British Podcast Award yes that was very exciting we got a nomination um for the British Podcast Awards 2020 and I got my little I got my little pack arrived I could wave a flag at you <laughs> I, got a flag here. I could find it probably not in instinct oh here we go <laughs> oh anyway so we yeah. um we turned up on the on the day and um there we go there's the uh oh, the marvelous, marvelous. and it, it was it was very very gratifying um uh i turned in on the award ceremony on the day uh, uh, uh didn't win but um i was very i i felt there were a couple of other very strong um uh, very strong entries in the category mm -hmm. and I think the one that won was about the history of emotions which was a really intriguing podcast but it's for us uh, winning uh, the, even getting the nomination was a real vindication that we were doing something that was connecting with people and um, we've had we've got nearly 7,000 downloads now fantastic um, uh, which I think is I think is pretty good you know and uh, um, it's it, it, we've been going for just just over a year so it's one year yeah that's 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 fantastic yeah so that's what we have at the moment and we're already thinking about um what we might do for a second series and um richard and i had a long discussion about it you know in sort of may but obviously since covid restrictions have have made everything that much more difficult to do mm. um it's given us a, a bit of a pause 
but it has allowed me to connect with some other organizations. Um, Flag down in Cornwall, I think, who are friends and family of lesbian and gay. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, um, uh, who are kind of family support unit. They've been terrific. And the Naz and Matt Foundation, um, who um, advocate for people, LGBTQ people from faith backgrounds. Oh, okay. So that's been a really nice um, uh, uh, little uh, connection. Uh, so that's been great. So, and we think we've got some quite interesting ideas for the next series, which we want to do, try and do, probably remote by sure. um, the end of this year. But I did, when I did my radio play with um, the lovely Francis Barber, who was in the South yes. of France, and Sean Phillips, he was in the Barbican. I was sitting in a little room, much like you are now. Yeah. Uh, looking over my producer's shoulder um, and that worked out well I think audio drama radio drama has really uh, proved its uh, strength and qualities during the lockdown yes um could mention a little bit about the the radio four because it was um about a French author um I was just looking about it um uh, uh, Colette Colette oh, yes yes you would Who... know her best you would know her best because of the music she um she she wrote the uh, uh the 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 short story on which the musical Gigi was based there we go yeah mm -hmm. so um uh and um she's 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 a very um interesting writer um there's a film made of her early life when she was played by Kira Knightley and mm. she was her husband her then husband got her to write a series of books under his name. So she effectively ghost-writ a very successful series of books. And that kind of gave her the confidence to move out. And um, she was famously bisexual. Um, she very bohemian, very French, very French. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But the novella that I adapted was set after the divorce, her second divorce. She goes down to the south of France and it's about her renouncing love and sex and all of that, as one yeah. does. And then promptly bumping into a gorgeous young man and uh, <laughs> and trying to fight off temptation. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it was one of those rare jobs. I don't know whether you've had them where everything just seemed to flow, just seemed to go so easily. And um, I, I, I created this adaptation. And there's not much story in the book. You know, there's a lot of splashing in the sea and gazing at sun bronzed male bodies. Oh, can, we can all... <laughs> Perfectly nice like way. Good. Sounds, sounds idyllic, doesn't it? And yeah, um, right now. Yeah, exactly. Right now, it seems <laughs> seems seems all an impossible an impossible dream. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but actually, there's this really fascinating meditation on life, uh, middle age, you know, desire um, uh, on uh, attractiveness. That whole idea that as we grow older, I still we still like to think that we're attractive. You know, we kind of fight that sometimes because obviously we think it's a bit superficial. But underneath it, I think it's still quite a strong, strong desire, isn't it? Absolutely. And um, and we were very lucky. We got our first choice cast. We got Francis Barber. Yeah. From the south of France, sitting in a sweltering cubbyhole in the south of France. And Sean Phillips, who, sa who sat in her flat in the Barbican. And um, it was just a wonderful experience. And... Um, uh, I thought it turned out really well. I thought it it, it, it was a really good late summer play. About, yeah. 
the end of summer and the beginning of autumn. It was perfect, I think. Is it still available? Is it still on? Um, it was up for 28 day days and now I think uh, has been taken off. Um, it was part of a, a season called Electric Decade around the 1920s, which kind of looked at people like Gertrude Stein and Josephine Baker mm-hmm. and the, cl- uh, the rise of Le Club Jazz in Paris and the whole that whole period of time when, when Paris was a centre of kind of modernism with Picasso and Braque and all of those amateurialists, um, of which Colette was undoubtedly a, 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 a member, although she was quite clearly somebody who had her very own strong views. I mean, she was a classic successful woman who didn't like other women. She was very anti the suffragettes, for example. Uh, okay. Um, so, uh, but you find that a lot with those intellectuals from the turn of the century. They're a strange mixture of really progressive ideas and terrible snobbishness. It'd be nice if we can, if you do find a way that we can get hold of it. Yeah. yeah. Be, I'll, I'll see what I can do. What I, I can always yeah. pop, pop it out. Um, so as far as the Rainbow Dads, what, what without, I, mean, I don't know if you want to give anything away, but what are your kind of ideas for the future? I mean, I talked to David obviously a bit about yeah. where it could go. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the next phase, I suppose we call it? When um, I we initially had the idea and we collected together our group of uh, Rainbow Dads, um, I was very aware of there being a generational aspect to it. I'm in my late 50s, so I was very conscious that I'll be talking about my experience, which was very much rooted in the 70s, um, being at boarding school and the 80s. And although I was probably the oldest Rainbow Dad there, um, I certainly felt that the other dads shared some of the same experiences too. I think that um, gay parenting or LGBT parenting or however you would like to um, uh, uh, define it has come on hugely since then. And I think the when I was growing up, the idea of two gay dads bringing up um, a foster child or bringing up a surrogate was would have been seen as shocking, unusual, yeah. yeah. Um, don't forget there was section 28 of course which was which which very specifically talked about not presenting gay relationships as a nor- as a as a as a as a normal family option yeah. wasn't it so what's really struck me since um, we put out rainbow dads is that there are a number of other kinds of stories that we can tell for example i think there's a really interesting conversation to be had with men of my age and younger guys in their 30s who are perhaps thinking of um, adopting or fostering children of their own and how the process now supports them in a way that it wouldn't have done for men of my generation. So I think that's an interesting Mm, angle. mm. And then I think I'd like to look at Rainbow Mums and maybe hand the programme over to a, a group of women who want to discuss some of the issues that they faced coming out as 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 lesbian or bisexual yeah and then obviously it'd be really fascinating to uh have a program in which the children themselves took uh time to talk about their experience absolutely yeah and then i think you know again it would be nice to have a program maybe we can move forward into an area and talk about a trans parent or a a, a, a trans parent has moved a transition from one 
agenda uh, uh, to another and talk about their experience as a parent and again look at it from that angle so I kind of see Rainbow Dads as a bit of a franchise as a bit of a kind of holding area safe space in which we can allow groups to meet from different cultures and backgrounds share their experiences and their personal stories yeah. and hopefully connect uh, with audience um, so that's kind of how I see it moving forward unless you've got any other any suggestions yourself whether you think there's anything I've well I, I, I think definitely the uh, the idea of speaking to the children yeah um, but also I think David mentioned talking about um, the the partners of people who yeah. have been previously who who who's, who, who have ex partners talking to the ex partners of, of people who are now um, LGBT I think that that also has its place because they have a, they very much have a story and so yes they I do. find that quite fascinating that would have to be done with a lot more sensitive well all these things have to be done with a fair amount of sensitivity but that one in particular I think is is potentially the most painful but the most interesting yeah <laughs> in some respects yeah um, because that touches on so many other issues i can't remember did i talk to you before or after philip schofield came out i think it had just it just happened i think right. i feel like because i happened. you know oh, no, my... no, i think no no i think actually no because that was um no so i don't know if we did anyway yeah but that was fascinating because that was, I think that was a Thursday and literally my phone started buzzing. I was on Channel 5 News. I was on the BBC, yeah. uh, various BBC programmes. Um, I was being phoned up for a response. The Guardian got in touch with me and did a podcast about coming out later in life. And that yes. really gave us a huge boost in audiences. I think about 1,500 people um, downloaded the podcast in the 10 days after that Guardian. Yes. Uh, broadcast so yeah. th there's a fascinating as you know from your experience and you've been doing this much longer than I it's about getting to your audience isn't it it's about we have an audience out there and I know there's an audience of of men and women who will be interested in hearing the podcast but it's accessing that that's part of the the challenge yeah. isn't it in the podcast yeah, yeah absolutely um, but certainly talking to the children would access a younger demographic and I do think that's a really fascinating sense my ideal my ideal stages going forward will be perhaps have some of the, something on the mums and then the children because mm -hmm. we can mix the children with both children from both lesbian and gay parents and and and, and get that kind of angle yeah and, and I think then, and then maybe the men maybe the partners if we could persuade uh, some partners yeah I think there's a conversation. I think a lot of people would be, I say you you have to deal with it very sensitively, but um, I think it would be extremely interesting and and right <laughs> to hear that yeah. side of it as well. Yes, um, I think that's right. When I wrote the, the radio plays on which this all sort of started for me, yeah. I made the decision to tell it from the point of view of the wife. And that was absolutely the right decision because... Uh, Karen that was the name of the character she had no control over what was happening she had to respond to it but of course she wanted questions answered she wanted to be reassured that her marriage hadn't been a sham all of those things mm -hmm. and I think that allowed for uh, a, an emotional connection to an audience a radio audience 
that um, that I wouldn't have had if it had just been Jack, because people would have dismissed him for being selfish and and just concerned with himself. And although I don't believe that to be true, there's there, there that is obviously a point of view. Mm-hmm. And as you know, as a performer with creating a character or a story, before you can really start to explore maybe some difficult aspects of people's behaviour, you've got to allow give your audience a kind of reassurance and the permission to to go there with you. Um, and they've got Absolutely. to see the humanity. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that um, I've learned as a writer over the years. Mm-hmm. Have you have you been busy over the lockdown? Have you had a lot of work, work coming your way? I mean, I obviously, as a performer, we've uh, as a performer, <laughs> but yeah. yes. I mean, I really feel for you guys. I mean, my my youngest daughter is arts ed, musical theatre. She's exactly in exactly the same position. She also trained as a personal trainer, so she's been doing some work at a gym, and I think that's helped. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a writer, so I can sit and write, and I have been pushing myself to try and create I feel it's for me there are no, there, there, there's a number of responses we can have to lockdown I think one is to be kinder to each other and that's that can be with your partner or with the person you meet on the street or just a tiny little gesture of kindness and the other thing is to create and I mean that in the broadest sense of the word it could be flower arranging it could be cookery mm. it could be an interest in genealogy it could be I don't know crossword puzzles whatever creating it's what Grace and Perry said it's not a question of whether you're good or bad at it. Just do it. Do the art. So I've, I because of my radio background, I've written a couple of radio plays. I've written a, po- a pilot for a podcast. Oh, okay. set up in north in in north in Nottingham, at a park in Nottingham with some fr- for some colleagues. So a, a dra- um, an audio dra- an audio drama. drama. Yeah. Um, I've been working with a fantastic group of um, academics and writers called Script Six. I ran a I ran a competition with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, COVID dramas we got over 300 entries and that was fascinating because there was there is was and is a huge need to tell stories about what people are going through and one of the wonderful things about that was to was to receive not it wasn't just the entries it was the letters that came with the entries some of which were very moving Mm. so I've been doing that um I'm I've been researching this idea for Channel 4, which I'm very excited about and really enjoyed doing the research. Um, yeah. uh, and I've also been writing a stage play, or rather I've been working on a stage play that I started before COVID, uh, but feel very committed to and anxious to finish actually, because it feels like of all of the projects, that's the most personal. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear that, that you've been, you felt, because I know a lot of people have said that they didn't feel, and I think it's fair enough if you don't feel in this time that you that just surviving day to day. But it's good when I hear people telling stories of that actually I was able to create, whether you say whether it's baking or a play or whatever it is, it's good to hear that people can continue because, as you say, how long are we going to be yeah. in this scenario? And, and life can't stop, um, hopefully. Um, so that's good to hear. Yes, I mean, it sounds like I'm. It, it, sometimes I think, oh gosh, this is sound a bit like I'm boasting about how wonderfully productive I've been. No, but I have no. no. I mean, I have friends, who creative friends, who have sort of chosen to do nothing for the last six months. They've seen it as a break from that, and I completely 
I completely understand that. Um, I I have felt that my it's all about how you manage, mm. and I felt that the way that I've managed is to is to try and write about the things that are important to me. But obviously, all of those now are influenced by the experience that we're going through. Yeah. So, um, uh, so that's been. So that's been a kind of a, a, a kind of a, a, it, it, it's been something I felt very strongly about, and I've tried to be quite disciplined about it as well. I mean, of course, I've had days when I've not even known what day it is, or yeah. you know, wondered what. I've had those existential things. What is the point? What yeah. is the point? Is it going to be a theatre? Are they going to yeah. produce new writing? What's going to happen? But I do think there will be. I think so now a bit more than I did three months ago when I heard yeah. about the government's government's bailout I burst into tears because obviously I know how powerfully I mean it and it doesn't affect me directly because I don't I'm not I don't have a, a relationship with a theatre but I have mm. loads of friends people like yourself who are performers and I know how important it is so yeah. you know um but but yes it's, it's, I mean it's such a foreign it feels like a very to even imagine being in that scenario, being in a rehearsal room. Yeah. I mean, I know people are carrying on and rehearsing and but the but without without the, the, the barriers and having to keep two feet apart or six feet apart, whatever it is, whatever it keeps changing. But yeah. um yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think we can be hopeful. I think we should be hopeful. I think the particular thing about this crisis is it is it it has been unnatural in the sense how I say saying to people during the Second World War, we could have gone down the pub had a sing-along, got drunk, snogged somebody in the back alley and probably taken them home and, mm. <laughs> and been bad boys. Mm. We can't do we, we, all of that. I mean, it happens, of course, but in a sense, we've all been kind of pulled away from any kind of physical contact. And if you're a hugger like I am, you know, it's it's every meeting now is a little negotiation about, you know, how what is people's preferred way of dealing with this? yeah. Yeah, and um, it's just another barrier, isn't it? And it's it not, is. as I said, even during wartime, there was a possibility to be intimate, close, connected to people in a way that now it is done. You know, like yourself, I've sat on so many bloody zooms, and of course, you're probably here. How ex everybody says how exhausting it is. Yeah, and it is. It's it's it, yeah, but the human spirit and all that. I'm hopeful. Yes. Um, uh, and I'm uh, uh, I'm sure some really great things will come out of it. I don't know what. I bought my first theatre ticket the other day. Oh, to six. To six. Ah. The musical about yes. the uh, which Jordan has oh. wanted to go and see. So we're going to see that at the Lyric. So that's good. Um, and I'm I'm now full of praise for producers uh, and people who are trying to get theatre up and running again. You know what a terrible job they've had because they've also had to deal re with redundancies and whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all the people people forget the people that work in the front of house and everything. That there's a yeah. huge swathe of people that people just assume and forget about. But um, yeah, no, you're right. Well, it's good to see hear the stories like the the, the Nymax story of theatres, a few theatres opening up again. And I hope you enjoy Six. I haven't seen it, but I I I've spoken to the director on this podcast and. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a fantastic success, hasn't it? I mean, I'm I'm hungry. I'm hungry for other people's successes at the moment. Mm-hmm. Anybody has a good piece of news, I kind of fall on it like a starving man, you know, and um, it's important to share that. Um, I'm also lucky in that where we live, tooting seems to be, people seem to be, you know, behind a pub, they're really nice in the pub. It's nice. It, it, I feel it's important to support a local business. It feels important to get out there if you've got a few pounds to kind of go and support people. So, and I wonder whether coming out of this, whether our lives are going to be much more based around our little village parts of London rather than naturally assuming that we, we go into the West End. I don't know. I know. I, mean, you know. I don't know what your feeling is on that, but it feels to me like that might be a change. Very much so. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, how you feel, but my the people I've seen have been the people who've been in a space of a five mile radius. And yes anyone outside of that it's just not happened sadly yeah. but um yes absolutely have you managed Same to here. leave have you managed to leave london at all i went down period? to brighton for a couple of days okay. that's about it that's about it yeah desperate to go the world out. beyond yes yeah absolutely but um and it was wonderful to be by the seaside mm-hmm. which is wonderful we went in the, went in the sea went yeah. cycling in the rain it was just fantastic um that was back in the summer that was wonderful. So it's um, but you know I've been lucky. We've, we've been lucky. Other people have been in a much worse position. We know people who've had COVID, and we know of people who've died. So you know, Same. yeah. So I feel very lucky. Yeah. In that respect, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, just as a, on a kind of on a slightly lighter note, um, is any has been anything that you've seen any music that's inspired you or a film that's inspired you or a book that's inspired that's something that's lifted you up in this period because i think sharing that at the moment is really important well um we went into the lockdown kind of pretty obsessed with schitt's creek now we are now we are totally i'm so obsessed that i will watch youtube clips of alexis's top 10 moments and i will cry to them Yes. Have you got to that yes. stage yet? Oh, because oh, oh. Uh, I yes. think Schitt's Creek is a game. I think Schitt's Creek is a game changer. I think the way it deals with LGBTQ issues is extraordinary, completely normalised, com- nothing. And of course, the romance between David and Patrick is is uh, uh, very teary. And of course, Patrick is gorgeous. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a gorgeous relationship. It's a lovely relationship. And and, and, and the brother and sister thing feels really real. That kind mm-hmm. of snarky love. Moira is Catherine O'Hara is a comedy goddess, and oh. Moira Rose is one of the great comic creations of the last ten years. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. One of the great comic. She's up there in the top ten, along with Basil Fawlty and Alan Partridge, and yes. you know the great comic characters. Um, yeah. And um, you know, I there, I learnt the set. There's a, there's a wonderful uh, episode where she does a, an advert for wine, and she gets very drunk. Yes. For, yes. Yes. For yes. my birthday, I learnt that speech, <laughs> so I could do it as a part. Don't ask me to do it now. Oh, I, I was getting back to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, herb, 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 herb. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so Shit's yeah. Creek loved. Um, yeah. uh, what else? Of what? As I was saying, film. We we watched. Um, uh, what they do in the shadows the other night, the spoof mockumentary about the vampires. Yes, yes. Seen that? I thought that. that was his. I, I thought that was just terrific. Yeah. And now we're watching the series. The series. I think, I think the series. 
the series gets is even better, I think. By the really? by the end, it's fantastic. I'm, oh yeah, good to hear. These these are VC. These are common themes that people are picking up on. The stuff that brings the joy, and those are two shows that bring so much pleasure and joy. Um, our, our joyful place is RuPaul as well. RuPaul's Drag Race always makes us. We watch Ru, we watch the Canada version. Yes. But we were we were pleased that Priyanka won. Yes, absolutely. We were we were, we were team Priyanka. Um, uh, uh, and uh, that's our happy place as well. Yeah. We love that, you know. And again, we've got slightly obsessed. So we'll be on the fan sites as well and enjoying. We don't we don't get bitchy, but we enjoy everybody else getting bitchy. So <laughs> that's been. <laughs> Let the people on Reddit have their fun and just watch yeah. from the sidelines. Exactly, and we can and we can we can we can watch them and be judgy. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Glass of wine. <laughs> Absolutely. No, completely. completely judging. What is she talking about? <laughs> no, so I've good. enjoyed that. Um, it's a great series which has been cancelled on Netflix called Teenage Bounty Hunters. Only one series, which I would recommend. Oh, okay. Teenage Bounty Hunters. It's about a group of girl, teen, two teenage girls who go to a very strict religious school um, who become bounty hunters with the local guy who runs the yogurt shop. Who's this kind of slightly shuffly, down at heels, middle-aged black dude? Dude, he was an ex-policeman, but it's really sharp and funny, and okay. has a kind of generosity of spirit because there's lots of characters in there you wouldn't particularly like because of their Trumpian politics, but actually it brings out a slightly more generous kind of car, you know, sort of sort of sympathetic. Uh, yeah. And I love writing like that. I love writing that challenges your assumptions about who you are going to like and who you're going to hate in a series. So we recommend yeah. that. that's really good. Fantastic. And then I watched all of Parks and Recreation. I watched all 150 episodes. Oh, OK. <laughs> See, I've never I, my, my other half is, is a fan and I've never I've not jumped in. On and that Modern yet, so. Family. You're Modern Family boy. Oh, Modern Family. I've yes, followed through Modern to, Family for me is up to there. the very end. The great. I'm not seeing the very end, but I think it's one of the oh. great sitcoms. Yeah. Uh, the consist the consistency. I I think is just, uh, you know, well, it, 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 that's the secret. You can be consistent in a, even within a series, but over eleven series or whatever, uh-huh. you know, find new stories. Well, it's just the warmth of it as well, and I think again right now that's it's, it's yeah. warm characters that we, yeah, because there's too much. Too much we both, we both have a we both have a crush on both Jay and and, and Sophia. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so there are things out there. I'd love to see. Oh, I'd love to go to the theatre and sit in a room and see some live entertainment. Well, Wouldn't you've you? Got some coming up, you've got some coming up. So, I tuned in yesterday to the Barbican that uh, Neil Heyman of the Divine Comedy was putting on a. Mm-hmm. a, a uh, and I tuned into that. Very interesting. He had some people there in the in the venue in the actual space, but most yes. of us online. And um, it, you know, I quite like the Divine Comedy, but it felt very flat because right. there was not the interplay between you know what it's like. You're a performer. You know, it's about that interplay between yourself on stage and that audience. And even if Absolutely. the audience is not saying anything, you're you can you're so calibrated and attuned to that, you can tell. The energy, something's going absolutely. yeah the energy yeah 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 i know this is the thing with panto which is always my big gig one of my earners in the year and uh, i know people are doing it i just and i think great but i just find it's going to be difficult to get the what it's all about is screaming and shouting and people being together and if you've yeah. got to sit separately from 
members of your family or not have all your family i don't know it's better than nothing i suppose i think it's um, i think it's so important that panto is out there and and doing it because panto is in the cultural dna of this country it is it is you know arguably it is our contribution to well shakespeare and panto is our contribution to world theater you know and that's pretty good yeah absolutely (laughs) pretty you know and there's lots of shakespeare lots of panto in shakespeare for christ's sakes you know so no um, completely and so i think it's really really important so anybody who's any production a company or any theater that's putting stuff on bravo bravo and i i do hope you know obviously revenues are going to be down but i do hope people by christmas i think people will be gasping for oh no she isn't oh yes she is you know all of those double entendre double entendre heaven (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely no i mean a lot, good good luck to the ones that are managing to do yeah. it but, uh, um and so as far as because i know i'm aware of your time but yeah, as far so. as as far as the rest of the year um what do you do you have do you have i mean obviously you've got projects ongoing but as far as you living your life um do you what's the rest of the year hold for you now well, Christmas. <laughs> well, like us all, I shall try to be fabulous, even when <laughs> when the rest of the world is pretty um, uh, uh, unfabulous. Um, I don't know. I think it's so difficult to make plans, isn't it? Yeah. I think the fact that one's restricted in who one can see. I mean, we can, you can, you can obviously chat online, but it's not the same. Okay. I want to finish my play and. I would love to get a bit of money out of Channel 4 to work on Rainbow Rugby. That's what I would love to do. And I'll be doing some teaching. I've got some students from abroad. I have a student in Egypt and a student in Sierra Leone that I tutor. And that gives you another perspective on what's happening here. Wow. You know, so um, and um, and, you know, just hope that everybody's stays well. Yeah. You know, and and also stay sane because I think you know the mental health implications of what we're all going through is, you know, and everybody's kind of trying to be quite stoical and, yeah, and it's tough. And it's all right. It's all right not to be, and it's all right to to, Absolutely. to turn to people. That's the other thing. But um, mindfulness. <laughs> mindfulness. You're doing your cognitive. What's the quote? Yeah. There's nothing, dear Bruce, it, 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 but There's nothing in our lives but thinking makes it so. What's that? It's a Shakespeare quote um, about which is oh, very cognitive. Uh, you, come on, yes. you must. I'm gonna look up, look it up. Without it's looking, a, yeah. Look yeah. it up now. I'll stick it on. I'll stick it on the show page. Um, but brilliant. Um, so as far as, uh, can you just remind people where to find you as exactly. well? Rainbow Dads is on Podbean and Spotify and iTunes and. Um, it will be it's it's we've had a fantastic year so far hearing from people who listen to it um there's a facebook page um we really appreciate the support that you've given it and other people in the lgbtq community and uh, we hope to repay that by uh, announcing rainbow dads two three possibly four with um other stories other perspectives other lives and other positive outcomes to deal with life's bouquets and brickbats. Nice. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you, Nicholas. That You're very wonderful. welcome. You're very welcome. Soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, you take care. Namaste. Oh, as they say, namaste in bed.
<laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. Have a good one. Take care. Stay safe.